Al-Bayan Radio presents Ramadan Afternoons with Sheikh Khalid Isa and Sheikh Jalal Shami. Qara'na fi al-halaqati al-madiya bab anwana lahu al-bukhari fi kitab al-fitan babun la ya'ti zamanun illa illa alladhi ba'dahu sharrun minhu wa takallamna karafihi hadithain takallamna anil hadith al-awwal wa huwa qawlun nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam أو قول أنس بن مالك لما شكى إليه بعض الناس الحجاج فقال اصبروا فإنه لا يأتي عليكم زمان إلا الذي بعده شر منه حتى تلقوا ربكم سمعته من نبيكم صلى الله عليه وسلم الحديث الآخر هو حديث أم سلمة رضي الله عنها زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قالت استيقظ رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ليلة فزعة يقول سبحان الله ماذا أنزل الليل ماذا أنزل الله من الخزائن وماذا أنزل من الفتن من يوقظ صواحب الحجرات رب كاسية في الدنيا عارية في الآخرة إذا استيقظ النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ذات ليلة حال كونه فزعا خائفا وجلا ثم بيّن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم سبب فزعه فقال سبحان الله ماذا أنزل الله من الخزائن وماذا أنزل من الفتن خزائن, خزائن وفتن خير وشر والخزائن في الأصل هو ما يحفظ فيه الشيء المتاع وغيره هذا هو المراد في الأصل هذا هو المراد بالخزائن والمراد بالخزائن هنا كما قال بعض الشراح البشارة بما سيفتح سيفتح على المسلمين من خزائن فارس والروم من خزائن فارس فارس والروم وما يحصل بسببه من الفتن والشرور هذه الخزائن إن استعملت فيما يرضي الله فيما يرضي الله سبحانه وتعالى فهي نعم وإن استعملت فيما يصد عن الله وعن ذكره وعن شكره فهي محن والأيام والليالي هي خزائن للأعمال وهي عمر الإنسان فينبغي أن يودع فيها ما يسر في القيامة فإذا ضاعت سدا فهو مغبون وفي الحديث نعمتان مغبون فيهما كثير من الناس الصحة والفراغ المغبون يا عباد الله هو الذي باع هاتين النعمتين برخص ولو أن إنسان باع سلعته بربع القيمة أو عشر القيمة فهذا مغبون غبنا شديدا الذي يبيع بنصف قيمة السلعة هذا لا شك أنه مغبون لكن أين هذا من غبن الآخرة الذي هو الغبن حقا حتى أنكر بعض أهل العلم أن يوجد في الدنيا غبن لأن الله سبحانه وتعالى يقول ذلك يوم التغابن فحصر التغابن في ذلك اليوم تقدم معنا في كتاب الفتن أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لما أطل 
على أطم من أطام المدينة رأى مواقع الفتن خلال البيوت كمواقع القطر ويريد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من هذا الكلام أن نستغل هذه الخزائن وأن نتقي هذه الفتن أيضا في هذا الحديث فيه إرشاد من النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه ما الذي ينبغي أن يفعل في زمن الفتن فالنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أعطى درسا عمليا عندما قال من يوقظ صواحب الحجرات يريد بذلك أزواجه عليه الصلاة والسلام من يوقظهن للصلاة والوقوف بين يدي الله عز وجل في مثل هذا الوقت الذي استيقظ فيه النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ليحصلنا شيئا من هذا الخير يعني الذي أنزل يعني ماذا أنزل الله من الخزائن وماذا أنزل من الفتن إذا ليحصلنا شيئا من الخير في مثل هذا الوقت المبارك وهو وقت السحر أو الوقت وقت الثلث الأخير من الليل من, يوق من يوقظهن ليعملن عملا يحفظهن من هذه الفتن لأن الأعمال الصالحة تقي الفتن تقي الفتن إذا من أعظم من أعظم ما ما يحفظ المسلم من الفتن في الحقيقة هو هو أن يكون العبد قوي الصلة بالله أن يكون قريبا من ربه سبحانه وتعالى فلا حافظ إلا الله ولا معين إلا الله فكلما كنت قريبا منه كلما كان لك نصيب أوفر من حفظ الله سبحانه وتعالى We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We ask Allah to send his peace and blessings upon his final messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Dear brothers and sisters We welcome you to this live program of Al-Bayan Radio The Ramadan afternoon's program with our beloved Sheikh Khalid Hassan Isa. And as uh, you may well know, that we are discussing some narrations of the Messenger of Allah as collected by Imam al-Bukhari in his Sahih uh, collection in the chapter of the Tribulations. And we mentioned uh, the, the, uh, the chapter that uh, notes uh, that uh, before the hour there will be a uh, yani there will not be a time except that the time after it is worse than than it so whenever there is a time the time after will be worse than it. and we mention a number of a hadith for example the hadith of anas bin malik where people they complained about the tyranny of al-hajjaj and the the oppression and the hardship that they were suffering and he told them to be patient because never will there come a time except the time after it will be worse. And be patient until you meet your Lord, until your death. He said, I heard that from your Prophet ﷺ. As well, the narration uh, from uh, from Umm Salama, the wife of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, where she said, Rasulullah ﷺ woke up one night uh, fearful, in a state of fear. And he said, glory be to Allah, subhanAllah. What has Allah uh, brought down of treasures uh, and what has been brought down of tribulations? 
Uh, and then he said, who will wake up uh, the female inhabitants of the of the um, of the rooms, referring to uh, the the uh, apartments of his wives, uh, and wake them up so that they can pray. And then he said, perhaps a person is uh, clothed in this world, but will be naked in the hereafter. So here, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi he woke up one night fearful because Allah subhanahu wa taala has revealed to him. Uh, some of the uh, of the treasures. Now, what is meant by the treasures of the knowledge of the unseen, of as well the uh, the uh, the glad tidings of what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is giving to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam of what the Muslims will conquer of the uh, the the, uh, the the nations and the empires of the Persians and the Romans, and then they will have access to their treasures. And the Muslims will have prosperity. Uh, and then as well they will have with these uh, treasures and prosperity there will be also tribulations. Uh, because these treasures and prosperity that a Muslim may have they are a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If they're used in a way that is pleasing to Allah then it will be of a benefit to the person. And if it is not used in a way that is pleasing to Allah and it is becomes a cause of distraction or becomes a cause for a person to become rebellious against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it will be a tribulation in a person's religion, and it will be a, a reason for their punishment. And in reality, the, our days and nights that pass us are really treasure troves. They are like treasure chests, that we fill our treasure chest with righteous deeds. So our nights and days, if we fill them with righteous deeds, then we have a treasure that we should be happy with. But if we do not fill our time with good deeds, we, we waste the opportunity or we fill our days and nights with bad deeds, then we have no one to blame but ourselves. And this is why in the narration, the Messenger of Allah he said, there are two blessings that most people, they cheat themselves out of, and that is good health and free time. You see, a lot of people cheat themselves out of that. What, what does it mean that they cheat themselves out of it? Meaning that they don't utilize it. And so they don't get, as we say in English, you know, uh, you know, a good run for their money. They, they don't get a good return. They have this uh, health, they have this free time, but they're not maximizing the benefit. And the word in Arabic is called غبن. And غبن means to cheat yourself out of something or to lose the opportunity of something. Like, for example, a person sells an item for less than what it's really worth. So he's cheated himself because he's the one who uh, sold it willfully, but it's just because of his maybe lack of research, market research or laziness that he didn't get the right price for his item. So he might sell an item for a quarter of its worth, or a third of its worth, or a, or a, uh, a half of what it's worth. And so in reality, he cheats himself out of it. Likewise, the one who doesn't take advantage of the time because your time is a treasure trove. And so maximize the benefit of your time with acts of worship that please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And some, they said that there is no cheating of, uh, uh, there is no way that you cheat yourself out of something in this world for that will be on the Day of Judgment as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described the Day of Judgment that is the day of the Day of Judgment is the Day of Mutual Cheating that people will feel and, and realize that they have lost and they have 
يعني not one in their interactions. We remind you of a narration of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that we mentioned earlier when Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam climbed to the top of a fortress of the fortresses of Medina, and he looked out to the city of Medina and he said, "Do you see what I see? I see uh, tribulations falling upon and in between the houses, uh, just like drops of uh, of uh, of rain." Uh, and so uh, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam instructed us of what a person should be doing during trials, times of tribulation. He went and he said, "Go and wake up the women of the apartments, meaning the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, so that they can pray, uh, so that they can get some goodness from this blessed time that ha- that they are in of Allah subhanahu wa taala sending down the treasure troves of goodness, and as well that it could be referring to the time of the sahur, which is the pre-dawn time." Or the last third of the night, and so we learn a very important lesson from these hadith: the importance of righteous deeds, because having righteous deeds will protect you from tribulations. And so, the stronger your connection with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the more of a safeguard you you will have from falling in these tribulations. And the more that you are close to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the more that Allah Taala will protect you from the tribulations. Uh, قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم رب كاسية في الدنيا عارية في الآخرة يعني هذا فيه وعيد للنساء التي يتساهلن في اللباس الشرعي يعني كم من امرأة تظن أنها كاسية أنها متحجبة أنها على لباس شرعي يرضي الله عز وجل وهي ليست كذلك يعني رب كاسية في الدنيا عارية في الآخرة ربما ظنت أنها قامت بما أوجب الله عليها من اللباس ولكنها هي خلاف ذلك فالشفاف من الثياب وإن سماه الناس لباسا لكن من لبسته من النساء فهي عارية والضيق الذي يظهر تفاصيل الجسم كذلك وإن سماه الناس كساء ولو يعني لكن إن لبسته المرأة فهي يعني كالعارية لو نظرت في يعني لباس نساء المسلمين في المجامع العامة تجد العباءات الشفافة الضيقة التي يرى ما تحتها وصاحبتها تزعم أنها مكتسية أن لكن في الحقيقة هي ليست كذلك فآل العلم ذكروا في شرح هذا الحديث فقالوا معنى قول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم رب كاسية في الدنيا يعني رب كاسية بالثياب عارية عن الثواب ومنهم من قال كاسية من النعم عارية عن الشكر ومنهم من قال كاسية بالثياب لكنها شفافة لا تستر عورتها فتعاقب في الآخرة بالعري فنحن يعني هذا يعني سبحان الله يعني ذكر هذا في كتاب الفتن إنه هذا هذا الأمر إذ إن تساهل فيه النساء أدى إلى فتنة كبيرة بين الناس يعني هذه, هذه الثياب هذه الألبسة 
التي لا تؤدي الغرض الذي من أجله أوجب الله سبحانه وتعالى على النساء الحجاب إذا إذا النساء تساهلنا في ذلك أدى إلى فتنة بين الناس وخصوصا بين الشباب فنحن في زمن أحوج ما نكون فيه أن نرجع إلى الله لنتقي شر هذه الفتن والمحن التي ظهرت علاماتها وأماراتها لكي يدفع الله عنا يعني وعن هذه الأمة العذاب ويعني الفساد فكم نحن بحاجة إلى أن ندرس هذه الأحاديث وأن ندرس الأسباب التي تؤدي إلى وقوع الفتنة وانتشار الفساد يعني حتى حتى نحاول بقدر الاستطاعة أن نوقف أسباب الفتن أن نوقف أسباب الفتن أو أن يعني نحد من انتشارها. The final part of the hadith, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said, perhaps there is a woman who is dressed in the world, but she will be naked in the hereafter. And so in this part of the hadith, when, when the Messenger of Allah وسلم, uh, said to wake up the, the women folk of the apartments, and then he said, perhaps there, there's a woman who is dressed in this world, but naked in the hereafter. The scholars, they said that this is a particular warning to the women, especially those women who may be a little bit uh, lenient when it comes to their dress code, and especially uh, those who uh, claim to be wearing the Islamic hijab. And she wears clothing thinking that she has fulfilled the religious obligation of wearing hijab. But the reality is is contrary to that. Uh, so, for example, wearing clothing that is see-through is not correct hijab, even though it may seem as clothing and people call it clothing or that it is tight for example or that it is short and reveals part of the body uh, or that it's tight and reveals parts that are the clothed but it shows what is beneath it um, and 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 describes what the the body shape and so on so even though people might call it clothing and it looks like clothing it's called clothing but it's not the hijab the islamic hijab that is expected from the muslim woman so the, the, the Prophet ﷺ, he gave a warning that perhaps a woman is clothed in this world but will be naked in the hereafter. So the scholars, they, they, they discuss what is the meaning of that. She is, clothed in, she is clothed in clothing, but she will be naked of reward. She will be free of reward. Other scholars, they said that she is clothed in blessing, but she is uh, absent in thanks, in, in correct thanks. Or that she is uh, covered in clothing, uh, but in reality she is not fully fully uh, covered in her clothing and doesn't fulfill the conditions of the hijab. So, uh, so this is part of the tribulation and part of the test and part of the confusion that they think they're doing something, but they're not fulfilling it as it's supposed to be fulfilled, and so they think, you know, that they don't need to do any more than that. And this is the fitna, that they think they're doing right when actually they're not doing right, they're, they're doing wrong. And so they have no motivation of doing right because they think they're already doing it. So they become lost, and this is part of the test and the confusion that they're in. Uh, as well, 
that 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 this is a fitna because it will lead to the testing of faith of others and especially of the youth of the males uh, when they see women who are supposed to be covered and they're not covered properly and they're not portraying the image that they should have and then they start instead of uh, it being a, a an Islamic covering uh, then it becomes a temptation uh, of desires and so we should take a special attention to this and not fall into this fitna and this uh, temptations and tribulations and confusions before there occurs to the ummah to the entire muslim community tribulations and punishment and corruption uh, and so even though some may say that this is something that the prophet sallallahu had said will already happen but we have an obligation as muslims to try as much as we can to limit and to stop and to delay these tribulations coming to us الباب السابع في كتاب الفتن باب قول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من حمل من حمل علينا السلاح فليس منا هذا هو عنوان هذا الباب وأورد البخاري تحته عدة أحاديث لكن نتكلم عن هذه الترجمة من حمل علينا السلاح فليس منا إن كان حمله للسلاح استحلالا استحلالا لقتل المسلمين فقوله صلى الله عليه وسلم ليس منا على حقيقته فمعنى ذلك أنه من استحل من استحل قتل المسلمين فهذا ليس من أمة المسلمين وليس من الإسلام في شيء ليس يعني فهو بذلك ليس مسلما لأنه استحل أمرا محرما معلوما تحريمه بالضرورة من دين الإسلام أما من لم يستحل قتل المسلمين لكنه أقدم على قتل مسلم معتقدا تحريم القتل فإنه لا يكفر بذلك وإن تعمد قتله وهذا هو قول جمهور العلماء لكن لكن يبقى يبقى على خطر عظيم لأن يعني قتل المسلم كبيرة من أعظم الذنوب وشدد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في ذلك حتى أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لقتل لزوال الدنيا لزوال الدنيا أهون عند الله أهون على الله من قتل رجل مسلم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لن يزال المؤمن في فسحة من دينه ما لم يصب دما حراما ما لم يصب دما حراما فانظروا يا عباد الله إلى حرمة دم المسلم عند الله سبحانه وتعالى وكم يعني أن ذلك يعني كبير عند الله في القرآن يقول الله سبحانه وتعالى ومن يقتل مؤمنا متعمدا فجزاؤه جهنم خالدا فيها وغضب الله عليه ولعنه وأعد له عذابا عظيما إذا حديث الباب من نصوص الوعيد التي تمر كما جاءت 
لأنه أبلغ في الزجر عند جمع من أهل العلم إنه من حمل علينا السلاح فليس منا فهذا فيه وعيد شديد وعيد شديد إن شاء الله سنتكلم عن هذه الأحاديث وما جاء فيها من معاني إن شاء الله تعالى The next chapter Imam al-Bukhari mentions in the uh, book of uh, tribulations uh, he titled this chapter uh, based on the hadith of the messenger sallallahu whoever carries weapons or, or, or uh, uh, holds up a weapon against us then he is not one of us so whoever يعني, carries a weapon يعني, holds up a weapon or threatens or tries to kill even he may not necessarily kill but he tries to kill uh, a Muslim then he's not one of us the scholars they said that if a person uh, holds up the weapon believing that it's halal to kill a Muslim then that will fall under what is apparent from the hadith that he is not a Muslim because uh, to believe that it's lawful to kill another Muslim uh, then this uh, يعني, this goes against what is known to be clearly prohibited in Islam so it's like he's making halal what is known to be haram. And someone who changes the law of the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes him out of the fold of Islam. But how about the one who does, who knows that it's not halal to kill another Muslim, but, uh, uh, but he killed another Muslim even on purpose. The scholars, they said he doesn't exit the fold of Islam, but he's under great danger. His issue is very, very critical uh, because he has done one of the greatest sins. The Messenger of Allah, he said, for the whole world to be lost is easier upon Allah than killing one Muslim person. How much oppression, how bad would a person be to destroy the entire world? To kill one Muslim unlawfully is worse than that. And the the Messenger of Allah, he said, that a person will have an opportunity of forgiveness on the Day of Judgment as long as he didn't spill blood unlawfully. So, you know, you know, no matter what a person does, he may have something in his religion that will save him on the Day of Judgment, except if he spills blood unlawfully. So it shows that the person's situation, if someone kills a person wrongfully, unjustifiedly, uh, purpose, uh, murder or killing, then he is in a very, very uh, يعني, critical position. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, whoever kills a believer on purpose, then his retribution is the whole fire dwelling there, dwelling there forever. And Allah's anger is upon him and his curse. And Allah has prepared for him a great punishment. So we can see from this uh, title and this hadith that there is stern warning against the one who... Uh, fights against the Muslim and kills a Muslim and inshallah Adi Sheikh will elaborate on these hadiths نذكر الأحاديث التي أوردها الإمام البخاري تحت هذا الباب أو نذكر بعضها فقال الإمام البخاري حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن نافع عن عبد الله بن عمر أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من حمل علينا السلاح فليس منا وقال الإمام البخاري حدثنا محمد بن العلاء حدثنا أبو أسامة عن بريد عن أبي بردة عن أبي موسى عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من حمل علينا السلاح 
فليس منا وقال الإمام البخاري حدثنا محمد قال أخبرنا عبد الرزاق عن معمر عن همام سمعت أبا هريرة عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا يشير أحدكم على أخيه بالسلاح فإنه لا يدري لعل الشيطان ينزع في يده فيقع في حفرة من النار للأسف كثير من الناس يتساهل في رفع السلاح هذا السلاح قد يكون سكينا قد يكون أداة حادة قد يكون مسدسا قد يكون أي شيء كثير من الناس عندما تحصل مشكلة صغيرة عندما تحصل مشكلة صغيرة يرفع السلاح في وجه أخي ثم سبحان الله النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم حذر من هذا قال يعني لا يشير أحدكم على أخيه بالسلاح فإنه لا يدري لعل الشيطان ينزع في يده فيقع في حفرة من النار قد لا يكون مقصود المرء أن يضرب يعني الطرف الآخر بالسلاح لكن سبحان الله لما يرفع السلاح تحصل المشكلة ولا يستطيع صاحب السلاح أن يسيطر على نفسه على غضبه يعني ينزع الشيطان في يده فيؤدي به ذلك إلى أن يضرب صاحبه أو أن يضرب أخاه بالسلاح فيقتل يعني فيقتله فيقع بسبب ذلك في حفرة من النار من أقدم على قتل مسلم يكون قد أوقع بنفسه في حفرة من النار كيف الخلاص منها كيف الخروج منها فعل المسلم إذن أن يحذر كل الحذر من التساهل في ذلك حاول يا أيها المسلم إن حصلت مشكلة أن تدرأها بالأسهل فالأسهل لا تلجأ مباشرة إلى المقاتلة وإلى رفع السلاح حتى لا تودي بنفسك إلى التهلكة فالنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بيّن لنا الأسباب التي تقين من الفتن من هذه الأسباب أن نحذر من رفع السلاح في وجه إخواننا uh, So some people they might um, you know they, they might carry weapons they might carry a knife or something sharp or they might carry a, a, a firearm uh, and they might take it very lightly in terms of uh, threatening someone with it or holding sometimes playfully, sometimes not on purpose. Or sometimes if he gets angry, he takes out this weapon and it, it holds it out to the other person to scare them or to show them how angry he is, whatever. Maybe he doesn't intend to inflict harm on that person or to use the weapon. But perhaps his anger gets out of control and the shaytan push, pushes him over the edge. As the hadith mentions, uh, that the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, he said, that do not point a weapon at your brother, for a person doesn't know that perhaps the shaytan can pull his hand, and that person will end up in a pit of the pits of the hellfire. And so a person should protect himself by not uh, by not uh, يعني threatening any person with a weapon, not holding out the weapon. 
uh, not drawing out a weapon. Uh, so the Prophet ﷺ tells us how a person should uh, yani, uh, uh, protect himself from that. How can a person save himself from uh, being in a pit of the pit of the hellfire? That is, whenever any problem occurs, then try to solve it with the least uh, with the least effort possible. Yani with the minimum force that is required. Some people from the smallest incident then he goes and draws a weapon against the other person, even though it could have been solved with something a lot simpler. So uh, in this hadith, there's very stern warning against uh, causing death to a person and especially following the the, uh, the means that would make it easier to do that, like carrying a weapon or uh, uh, um, threatening some, someone with a weapon. No. Uh, لما فيه من ترويع وتخويف للناس والأمن الأمن مهم جدا للناس ذكر بعضهم فائدة في قول الله عز وجل ولنبلونكم بشيء من الخوف والجوع وقالوا أن الله عز وجل قدم ذكر الخوف على الجوع لأن البلوى بالخوف الابتلاء بالخوف أعظم من البلوى بالجوع فبعضهم ضرب مثلا أو أعطى مثالا تطبيقيا للدلالة على هذا المعنى فجاء بشات صحيحة سليمة جاء بشات صحيحة سليمة ووضع عندها الطعام لكن ماذا فعل جاء بذئب يعني ربطه أمامها وهذا الذئب لا يستطيع أن يصل إليها لكن حصل لها الخوف بسبب وجود الذئب أمامها وجاء بشاة مريضة أخرى لكن لم يجعل يعني أمامها ذئبا جعل أمامها طعاما وجعل أمام الصحيحة طعاما التي ربط أمامها الذئب ثم جاء بعد يوم فوجد أن المريضة أكلت الطعام كله وأن الصحيحة لم تأكل شيئا من الطعام بسبب الخوف بسبب الخوف فانظروا كم سبب الخوف لها من هم يعني وجعلها لا تستطيع أن تأكل الطعام فإذا حمل السلاح مجرد حمل السلاح على المسلم فيه ترويع وفيه تخويف وهذا من الأمور التي يعني يحرم على المسلم أن يأتيها تجاه إخوانه المسلمين الترويع والتخويف so also what we benefit from uh, this hadith is the Prophet ﷺ forbidding for a person to carry weapons because weapons and people seeing weapons or people carrying weapons creates a sense of fear, and creates a sense of panic among people. And this is something that a Muslim should not cause. You should not be, uh, cause for people to be scared. Don't do anything that will cause for people to be scared, for people to be anxious. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, indeed we will test you with some with some measure of fear and hunger 
and a diminishment of uh, of wealth uh, and and life and and provisions and give glad tidings to the patient ones the scholars they commented on this verse and they said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put fear before everything else Allah ta'ala put fear before even hunger and this shows that uh, to experience fear is even greater than experiencing hunger and the effect and the harm that it causes to exposing and to cause fear upon people is greater than the harm of of causing hunger to people and one of them did a practical uh, experiment where he brought a sheep and put in front of it food and then brought a, a, a wolf and tied the wolf in front of the, the, uh, the sheep but tied it up so that it wasn't able to get to the sheep. So the sheep, because of just seeing the wolf, even though the, the wolf couldn't get to it, just seeing the wolf caused it so much fear that the sheep was unable to eat any food. And then he got another sheep, took the wolf away, got another sheep, but this sheep was sick and put in front of it food. He found that the, the, the sheep that was sick, in spite of it being sick, was still able to eat the food. But the healthy sheep uh, was not able to eat food, even though it was healthy. But the fear had prevented it. The fear that still remained and the shock that still remained with the sheep prevented it from eating food. So uh, causing fear and terror uh, to to people is something that is completely forbidden in the religion, and this is why even brandishing weapons, holding weapons in public, or in a threatening way, is forbidden in Islam. نكتفي بهذا القدر هذه هذا المساء إن شاء الله على أمل لقاء في الغد بإذن الله تعالى السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. وعليكم السلام. Uh, so inshallah we'll conclude today's session and inshallah we'll continue tomorrow bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. We'd like to remind the brothers and sisters of the uh, Eid prayer inshallah. Uh, when the Eid will be declared, we expect a, an announcement of Eid uh, late Thursday night inshallah, late tomorrow night inshallah, after Taraweeh prayer, maybe about 10 p.m. And inshallah keep on the lookout of the Eid locations in various places in Sydney. Uh, that are run by Ahl Sunnah and Jama'ah. So we have the Eid Prayer Hill, inshallah, uh, where we invite the brothers who usually pray in, in Bankstown, in Homebush, to head to Bass Hill, Louisa Reserve, next to the Bankstown Velodrome. Uh, for our brothers and sisters who live in the Liverpool area, in the Whitlam Centre, and for our brothers and sisters who live in the Campbelltown area, Netball Courts, and our brothers and sisters who live in Wollongong, in the Sports Hub, Ta'ala. And the prayer time should be around uh, 7.30 a.m. That may differ slightly. You can check uh, the website eidinthepark.org.au for further details. Also remind you to support Al-Bayan Radio. Uh, 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 go to albayan.com.au and go to the donate section and you'll find the details and the payment um, portal that will make donation very easily. We appreciate your support. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.